Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Well, uh, we are in our second week of our series, and uh, last week I basically gave a message that was centred around this idea that we are called to put God first in everything we do, in our marriages, in our families, in our kids, in our businesses, in every area we're called to be able to put God first. And this is what it means to, to, to be a living sacrifice. This is what it means to be able to give him worship here. We put him first in every single area of our lives. And today I want to be able to speak from, I guess, some kingdom principles that I've learned over many years now. And I've actually never preached from this particular passage beforehand. And I want to, I want to be able to unpack some principles, some truths here today that's going to help us to be able to, to, be able to move forward in our life in a way that we can honour God. And I'm going to preach from a passage from Matthew chapter 25 here today. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to read from the NIV version. And, uh, and I'm excited for today. I'm excited. I'm anticipating God to be able to move and be able to stir us up here today by the living word of God. And uh, the passage actually, verse 14 actually says, it starts with this word again. And it's important that when we're reading the Bible, we understand some of the, uh, the, the language that's been used. And so we see the word again because um, Jesus is actually teaching parables during this time and he's actually referring to things multiple times. And what he's referring to mainly is the kingdom of God. He's actually teaching about the kingdom of God. We often pray prayers like, God, let your kingdom come, but then we don't actually know what that actually means. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's teaching in the, in the gospel that what the kingdom of God actually is. And sometimes our understanding of the kingdom of God is very different to what actually Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And so I want to stir us up here a little bit about the truths and some of the, the principles of the kingdom of God here today. And, and, and Matthew 25 talks a fair bit about the different um, principles of the kingdom of God. But I want to focus on today, verse 14 uh, through to 28, where it talks about the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And so it says, again, it would be like a man, or other translation says, a master going on a journey who called his, he called his servants and entrusted them with his wealth. We've got to recognize in this story who's who. We are the servants. God is the man. He's the master in this. Verse 15, it says, to one, he gave five bags of gold. And I actually love the fact that he speaks about gold here because a talent was actually a sum of money during the time. When we read about a talent in the Bible, we think about our gifts, like I can sing, or I can play the piano, well, I, can, I, I can't dance, but I, you know, he gives a talent. But now he's talking about actually, it's a sum of money here. To one, he gives five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. And then it says, each according to his ability. Who knows that in 2022, Jesus' teachings would have challenged a few people in the world that we live in today. He says, what? You gave me someone five talents and not one talent? What do you mean? Well, this is not equal. This is not fair. This is, that's discrimination, Jesus. What are you doing here right now? But now Jesus' teaching here is saying, hey, I actually apportion some with five talents or five gold. I'll give another two gold and I give another one gold. Not everything's necessarily equal. 
And I could preach about this all day long, but I won't for now, the time's like right now. But, but God is saying here that there is a different distribution according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Then the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Everyone say work. He went and put it to work and gained five bags more. He did pretty well. He multiplied. And the same thing happened with the guy with two bags. We skip down to verse 18. It says, but the man who, made, who had received one bag, he went off. He dug a hole. I feel like you're watching the castle right now. Remember the, the, the castle? I dug, dug a hole today, Dad. Um, I dug a hole and hid his master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, the master whose servants returns... Uh, sorry, master of those rich servants returns and settles his accounts with him. We need to re- re- remind ourselves here today that Jesus is returning one day. Jesus is returning one day. And I feel like I don't say this enough as a church right now, but Jesus is returning one day. The glorious return of God is returning one day. Jesus will be coming back to earth one day. And this story is talking about how Jesus went away. He's with his heavenly father and he comes to returns. And what happens in that time, that we'll be held to account of what we do with this world. We'll be held to account with our gifts and abilities, how we use our time, the difference we make. This is why the Bible talks about do not store treasures up on earth, but store treasures up in heaven. We've got to find ourselves in a place where we'll be held to account one day. The heaven has two books. It has the book of life, which talks about who's given their life to Jesus, who's going to give their life to Christ. But then also there's a sense of we'll be held to account of what we do here on earth. It matters how we live our life right now. And I want to help people here today to remind them that we should have kingdom eyes to see things in the heavenly realm, not in the vapour that we live in right now. And so often we find ourselves storing up the treasures on this earth and we actually forget about the treasures that we're called to be able to store up in heaven. I'll stir up some people here today. I had someone the other day come and ask me and say, hey, Dan, are we in end times? And I said to them a couple of things. First of all, I know that today we are closer than when we were yesterday. <laughs> but second of all, are we in times? Here's what my conviction is. You're in your only time. So make the most of it. We get so pre-consumed about, is it going to be next year, next year, the year after that, is it 10 years' time, 20 years' time? Hey, this is our only time we have right now. So I'm calling us, let's be good stewards of what we have right now, and let's go and live a life that makes a difference here on earth, but in heaven as well. Jesus is returning one day, and the Bible says here that He is returning, and He calls His, uh, his servants to account. The man said who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. The master said, his master said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. He's done pretty well for himself. The master replied, this is what the master says, watch what he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge now of many things. Come and share with your master's happiness. If there's some words that I want to be able to hear one day from my heavenly father, it's those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and faithful pastor. Not well done, good and faithful leader. Not well done, good and faithful CEO, business owner. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. The same thing happens with the guy of two bags. Well done, good and faithful servant. But watch what happens when he gets to the guy of one bag. It says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Well, that's an interesting way to be able to see because from the first 10 verses of the Bible we just read then, he's a generous man. It says that he's actually given out all that he has. He's a generous man. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, some of us will be thinking, well, he's just given back to what I already gave. That's a good thing, right? But this principle that God's given for us is that he actually wants us to multiply and use what we have. There is a principle here at work that we want to be able to teach here today. He says, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Look, look at the difference. Good and faithful servant, wicked and lazy so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should, be, you should have put my money on deposit and at the very least you should have gone to the bank and put it on to gain some interest, he says. Verse 28, so take the bag from him and give it to the one with 10 bags. Give it to the one with 10 bags. I want you to pray. Father God, we thank you for your living word. God, help us today by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be able to hear things, see things. It's going to be like revelation. It's going to transform our behaviours, I pray. God, let us be a church that one day we will all hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, Lord God, I pray. Go before us. Stir our hearts. Give us the power to be able to see change in our worlds if we need to. Go before us, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. I can see in the back row there, Jono. Jono Ascarado. How you doing, mate? Is your, is your little one around by any chance or? Out the back somewhere. We want, they might be doing some very important things at the back. Is that actually Libby? The, Libby, come on, come, come on. Come, just come and sit next to your husband just for a second. Everyone, this is Libby and this is Jono. Uh, I just saw Jono. They had little Charlie two weeks ago. How many, how many weeks ago? Three, four weeks? Just come on, come on down the front. Come on down. Everyone put your hands together for Jono and Libby. You guys are still standing. Child number two, little Hazel somewhere, somewhere at the back. It's, it's just, isn't it good being a parent at church? You're like, oh, the kids are somewhere. I'm not too sure where, but they're somewhere. Little, little Charlie, hey? Is Charlie behaving himself? He's awesome. Even in the middle of the night, he's awesome? Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hey, we're so proud of you guys. Um, little Charlie is a, is a gift from God, and um, you guys are blessed. He's blessed. And uh, we're so proud of you and we're backing you, we're cheering you guys on and um, we're praying for good sleep in Jesus' name, we're praying for good health and um, why don't we pray for these guys as well. Father God, I thank you so much for, for Jonna and Libby. God, you have called them for times such as this. Lift them up, I pray. Give them wisdom, give them insight, give them courage, I pray. I speak over little Charlie, Lord God. I declare him, Lord Father, a child of God, set apart with a hope and a future, Lord Father God. Be with him, I pray. Even from his youngest of days, Lord God, equipping him a heart that knows you, ears that hears your voice, I pray. I speak that even that life over him. I just, I, just, I just see he'll have ears to hear, ears to hear, insight, wisdom, power and authority. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. We love you guys, we love you guys. Hey. Fantastic. Where were we, where were we? I get distracted too easily. 
All right. All right, so if I was to ask you guys here today, what was the very first instruction that God ever gave Adam? Some of you guys would say, Dan, he said, do not touch the fruit. Leave the fruit alone. Even if it's a mango tree that looks really good, leave the fruit alone. Can I tell you here today, that was not God's first instruction to Adam. He said something very different, actually. God's first thing that he didn't say to Adam was, no. That'd be like me having ivy in my hand for the very first time and saying, no. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking right now, stop it. Cut it out. You know, it caused me grit. No, no, that's not what God said. God actually said something very, something very different. He actually says to Adam, hey, Adam, come over here. He brings him over. And what happens is that he says, you see everything around us right now? Take dominion over it. Look after it. Make sure you tend to it. He says, I want all those animals there. I want you to name all the animals. He goes, that's a hippopotamus right there. That would have been a pretty fun job, right, to name all the animals? But he says to him, hey, I want you to take dominion. I want you to take control. I'm giving it to you right now. I want you to be a good steward of it. This was the very first thing that God said to Adam. And I've actually got this conviction this week as I was thinking about it, praying about it, that the reason that Adam actually sins, the reason when they took the fruit off the tree, why? Because, God, because Adam actually didn't listen to the very first instruction that God ever gave. Because if he was taking dominion, what would have happened is that when Eve had come to him and says, hey, babe, um, there's this snake who's talking to me right now, and he's saying, I want you to eat the fruit. Adam would have said, hey, bro, get out of my garden. I'm taking dominion right now. And what happens is that he doesn't take dominion over the thing that he was first instructed to do. And what happened, it led him to a place where he was encountering the lies of the devil. I want to encourage us here today we are called to be in a place where we take dominion over what God has actually given us here today. You know, Adam was given, or Adam and Eve, they were given a garden. And guess what? We are given a garden as well. The garden is a place of opportunity. The garden is what we have the tens. And God's saying that, I want you to be able to multiply your garden. I want you to be able to grow your garden. I want you to be able to be fruitful in your garden. I want you to be able to, to go and defend your garden, produce in your garden, work your garden. Your garden, some of you guys might think, oh, Dan, you're losing me with all this horticultural talk right now. <laughs> I'm not a gardener. I love mowing my lawn, but I'm not a gardener. It, it, do I have any like, green thumbs? Anyone loves gardening? A few guys down here, if you go, yep, all right. I'm not a gardener. Um, we're actually going to be getting some, um, some plants in the, in, the, in the cafe. I'm going to tell you, they'll be fake, all right? They'll be fake, and they'll be green all year round. They'll be beautiful. We've all been given a garden. Your family is a garden. Your business is a garden. Your minds is a garden. Our church is a garden. Your finances, your wealth, your possessions, they're a garden. Your soul is a garden. We've been given a garden just like um, Adam and Eve had. We've been given a garden too. And think about this. Um, one of my worst nightmares would be to live next door to somebody who just lets their garden go crazy. 
I actually live, we live next door to someone who has like the cleanest, most beautiful lawn. It's like, I actually want to go and pour petrol on it just to be able to make it look a bit worse, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of his lawn. I'm like, I'll teach you, mate, to have a nice, beautiful lawn. Like, he's out there all the days picking all the weeds out and all that kind of stuff. And I just mow my sucker. I just, that's all I do. Like, but a, a, a lawn, it's caused, uh, sorry, lawn, a, a garden, we have to be able to tend to it. If we don't, it gets overgrown. A garden we need to be able to, to prune, we need to be able to look after, we need to be able to pull weeds out, we need to be able to put fertiliser, we need, need to be able to, to pour water onto it, we need to be able to make sure there's enough sun and, and all that kind of thing, right? A garden actually takes work. It takes intentionality to be able to look after it. And today from, uh, from, from, from this scripture, I want to talk to us from this Matthew 25 scripture, I want to talk to us about, I guess, three principles or three truths that I think can, can help us here today. And the first thing that we need to understand from this, from this scripture is that God is a giver. God is a giver. God is a giver. We read about the fact that the master entrusted his wealth to the servants. And God does the same for us. Like it or not, God has placed us with the responsibility of seeing the world transformed through the power of Jesus. I wouldn't choose me, but God did. God wouldn't choose necessarily half of you guys, but God does. And he's entrusting us with gifts, abilities, wealth. He's entrusting us as the church to be the difference in the world that we live today. And he's calling us I mean, what he does, he first gives us all that we need. I love John 3.16, one of the most famous scriptures that we, 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 most of us would know about. He does two things. For God so loved, he loves us. And out of a response to his love, what's he do? He gave. This is who God is. He's a lover and he's a giver. Some of you are like, well, he, he, he don't give to me. <laughs> And you look at someone else across the neighbour, you see other people and they're like, oh, he gives to them, he doesn't give to me. Yet sometimes he's just giving in forms that you just don't yet recognise. When I was looking at a bit of research this week, I realised that um, the Bible in the New Testament, it mentions this word blessed 112 times in the Greek. 112 times. Not once does it refer to material wealth. Not once. What's that to say? Perhaps the way that God blesses us, it's not limited to material things. We live in a world today that's so tangible that if I've got money in my bank, I've got a car that I drive, a house that I live in, then it must mean that God blesses me. Does God do those things? Yes, He does. But He actually blesses and pours out His goodness in so many other ways that perhaps we're actually missing the blessing that's in front of us. And I want to tell us here today, how does He, how does he often give it to us? Well, Mark 34, again, Mark, Mark 4 is actually talking about, again, the principles of the kingdom. This is a basically a parallel scripture to what Mark, Matthew 25 is. And Mark 4.31 actually says, the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed. It's like seed. I actually had some rice down there. I was actually going to pick up some rice and pour it out, but I thought, uh, I didn't get myself organized, actually. Uh, that's the real reason behind it all. Um, but the, the truth here is that God actually gives to us in seed form, not just in the finished uh, tree that has all the fruit on it. We say, I want to be able to have the tree that can get pick up the fruit. But God says, hey, 
Here is seed. This is the kingdom of God. Sometimes it looks a little unimpressive. We're looking for the tree, but God has given the seed. Sometimes it looks a little bit underwhelming. This is actually why the Jews missed Jesus. The Jews were looking for a, a, a military hero to come and rescue them from the oppression of their Romans. And what they got was a little baby in a manger. And what happens, they missed Jesus in the process because they're looking for a package wrapped up in a different kind of way. And what Jesus did, he came, he came in seed form as opposed to the military leader form that they were all looking at. I say, the, I say the word kingdom and your thoughts go to the place of, of, the, of the royal palace in London. P.S. Did anyone watch the, uh, the Queen's funeral the other day? How, how like, incredible is that? I was like, I'm not like a big funeral kind of guy and that kind of stuff. I mean, who really is, I guess. <laughs> but I was like fascinated of all the tradition and all the stuff that was going on during that time, right? I say, I say, I say kingdom and you guys think royal palace. God says kingdom and he's thinking about seed. We say crowns, and he gives us a cross. We're looking for elevation, and he gives us humility. We're looking to reap, and what's he called to do? He calls us to sow. This is the kingdom. It's upside down. It's backwards the way we think. But this is the thing. When we pray things like, God, let your kingdom come, we need to understand the kingdom principles around this. All right, let's think about the uh, Exodus story. Exodus uh, 16. Exodus 16. This is a story about when, when God um, is speaking to Moses. Well, actually, Moses goes to God and says, hey, everyone's complaining, God. Can you help a brother out right now? They're complaining because they're whinging about the fact that they've been taken from Egypt and now some of their food is different to what it used to be like. They're sick and tired of eating the same thing. And so God says, okay, I'll hook you up. I'll look after you. Tell the people tomorrow they're going to get bread. And every carb lover rejoiced in Jesus' name. Who's my, my bread lovers out there? I mean, I, I could eat bread every day. Oh, I love bread, um, as you can see. All right, so basically what happens is that they says, all right, tomorrow they're going to wake up. The Israelites get excited. They think tomorrow we're having bagels. Tomorrow we're having bread rolls. Tomorrow we're having tip-top bread, Helgers. We're getting ready to have beautiful bread tomorrow. They're getting their fires ready to toast some bread over the top. And they wake up and the Bible says, they wake up and as the mist uh, disappeared, they actually were faced with a massive disappointment. And the disappointment was, they actually, so God said, I'm going to give you bread. They cried out something called, it's actually a phrase in Hebrew. We now know it as manna. Because what manna means? Manna means, what is it? What is it? So they get up, they're thinking, here we go. Bread's time, and they go, what is this? Because what happens, if we read in, chapter, in verse 15, verse 15, verse 15, it says the Israelites, it says that they were puzzled when they saw it. And they said this phrase, what is it? They asked each other, but they had no idea what it was. You see, actually what happens is that God, he didn't have a nice little wrapped package of bread for them. He actually brought something that looked very similar to coriander seed. It was laying on the, on, the, on the ground. And what God was wanting them to do was actually to work for seed in order to be able to create the bread. And so when God said, you're going to have bread, they say, manna. The thing that they were praying for was right in front of them, 
but they missed the blessing because they thought of something different to what God actually wanted for them. God produced the seed in order for them to be able to produce the bread. I've heard T.D. Jakes say beforehand, God doesn't produce tables, he produces trees. And it's our call to be able to work what we've been given, steward what we've been given, because it's principle that God will hold us to account of this one day as well. Some of us look at our own life and we say, what is this? Some of you are looking at your spouse right now thinking, what is this? It's not what I married. Some of you are looking at your bank account right now and saying, what is this? Maybe where did it go? Some of you are thinking, career-wise, I'm going for that job. What is this? What is this? What, what is this? And maybe you're asking the question, instead of what is this, maybe the question of how do I work it wow. is a better way of looking at it right now. I've got manna right now, but I want bread. All right, I'm going to go work it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I need to keep on moving. My wife will start doing this one to me. Come on, Dan, wrap it up. So number one, God gives. Number two, we must steward what he gives. So in the parable, the master entrusted the servants with something, his wealth. And here we read about the fact that the first two servants, they steward the, the gold, they steward what's been given, and they bring it back multiplied. They say basically, hey, you gave me five, I'll bring you back ten. You gave me four, I'll, sorry, two, I'll bring you back four. And the response of God was, hey, I'm really pleased with that. Well done, good and faithful servant. God is calling us to be good stewards. We need to recognise here today that, and then you know, I, wrote, I wrote a definition down for stewardship. If you've got a, a pen and paper or taking notes here today, write this down. We need to recognise that everything I have is from God. Everything I have is from God, belongs to God, and nothing is greater than God. Those three things. Everything is from God. In other words, God is the source of everything. My boss, well, I'm now the boss, but my boss, well, uh, your boss is not necessarily the source of your income. God is the source. Your wife, your husband, or your kids is not the source of love. God is the source of love. The tap that I turn my water on, that is not the source of, of where the water comes from. The reservoir is where it comes from. The rain that comes down from the sky is where it comes from. God is the source. God, everything I have is from God. And this is so countercultural today because we are, we're the self-made men. Well, I earned that, so that's my money. <laughs> I built that, so that's mine. This is not the kingdom. Yeah. So everything's from God. It belongs to God. And so what? when you understand that everything belongs to God, the ability to be a good stewards of it, it changes. It helps you so much. And then lastly, nothing is greater than God. My marriage is not above God. My children is not above God. My job is not above God. This building is not above God. Everything, there was nothing is greater than God. So we're called to be good managers of what God has given us and entrusted me with. Let's give a few examples here today. I want to help some people out here today. Let's about our finances for just for a second. I want to encourage every single person to be good stewards of the finances. There's the old saying, if you don't rule your money, it'll rule you. Live within your means, I'm praying. Being, uh, building margin into your life. 
Create a budget. The way that we operate our budget, I've got five key words. First one is to tithe. Second one is to save. Third one is to be able to give. Fourth one is to be able to um, invest. And lastly, is to be able to spend. Our world gets things the other way around. We spend first and then we try and figure out the rest. We give roughly 10% of those things to each of those areas. To tithe, to giving, to saving, to be able to invest. And then with the 60%, then we spend. Be careful, make sure you get things in the right order. I want to encourage our church, let's be generous. Let's find ways to be generous in our world. Some people ask me sometimes, hey, how do I win the loss? How do I save my friend? I would actually say, first and foremost, be generous. Be generous with your words. Be generous with your life. It makes a difference. But here's the thing with generosity. You actually have to plan to be generous. I hear sometimes some people say, I wish I was rich so I could be generous. No, 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 no. I found that generous people are not just rich people. Generous people, they're just generous people. And so if we find ourselves in a place where we can actually um, be intentional around, hey, I want to add a give, it makes a big difference. Ellen and I, we love to be in situations where we can say, hey, I want to be able to pay for that today. We're out to dinner, out to lunch. We might be in a situation where we have someone coming on our heart and say, hey, I want to be able to give to that person. I pray that generosity will be like an overflow in our church that helps people to be able to see the goodness and glory of God. That's why we do it. Oh, but Dan, I don't want to do those things right now. I just want the new TV or the new car or the the new shoes or the the new T-shirt. I'm wearing like a $20 T-shirt right now, but I'm doing it in a way where I want to be able to steward what I have because the seed turns into a seedling And the seedling turns into a plant and the plant turns into a tree and the tree produces fruit. Sometimes when you have the seed, we don't want to be able to, we just want the fruit. But stewardship actually says these words of, hey, I'm going to forego what I want now in order to be able to get to what I want most. I want to be in a day one day where I can say, my daughter, here, here's a car. Or my daughter say, here, here's what you want for your wedding day. Or I want to be in a place where I can be generous but if I'm in a place now where I create margin, create a budget, be wise stewards of what I have, it will make a big difference. With my family, my marriage. We're called in a place where we have to be able to invest into your marriage. Ali and I, we, we set up in our diary. Here's the, here's the truth. The moment I'm setting up thoughts and, and plans for 2023. The very first thing that goes into the church calendar is our holidays and date nights. Because I know I can't pastor you if I can't even look after my own family. And so we organise that. Husbands, take your, do- take, take your daughter, take your wife. <laughs> getting weird. Um, take your wife out for a date. Well, what's that going to do? You, you wait to see what that does. <laughs> Wives, be thankful for what happens there. You can say thank you in whatever way you want to say thank you in. Go on the front, invest into your marriage. Invest into your kids. We've got to steward what we've been given. We need to be stewards of our church. Come to church on time. Everyone's like, oh no. <laughs> the other day I was, in the, I was in the bathroom, I went to the bathroom and I was picking up some paper and someone came and said, oh Dan, you shouldn't have to do that. I said, no, no, no. This is my church as well. Let's have an excellence in the house. 
Let's not leave the place looking like trash. Let's make sure we have excellence. Let's speak of our pastors well. Let's speak of our families well. Let's speak of our church well. Let's steward what we have. <laughs> All right, I need to move on. So number one, God is a giver. Number two, you must be a steward. We must be a steward of what he's given. And the principle then thirdly, this is what we often want most, but we've got to do what we, this first part first. Number three, and lastly, the little becomes much. The little becomes much. We're so preoccupied with the much that we forget to do what we need to do with the little. Verse 21 of Matthew 25, it says, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And though we don't like the little, we only enjoy them much if we steward the little well. Before David took on Goliath, he was out tending to the sheep. Before Joseph was second in charge of Egypt, he was faithful in the difficult times that he found himself in. This is why Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise the small beginnings. What's this mean? It says, don't talk down on that. Don't look at your situation and think, oh, don't roll your eyes at that. Don't shrug your shoulders at that. Because then it says, for the Lord rejoices in the work that's begun. You might say, hey, Dan, my business is not where, I, where it's at. The Lord is rejoicing for the start of where it's at. Get yourself in a place where we can start rejoicing for the work that started. It's only small, but you've got to rejoice in it. Oh, oh, my husband took me out for a date, finally. Rejoice in that. Show your gratitude for that. We have to learn to rejoice in the small. Have eyes of the kingdom. Rejoice in the small. And no matter what, whether you have five bags we have one bag, we have an opportunity to multiply that into, into much. I want to close, and Libby, you want to pop up here. I want to close with a, just a, a scripture from 2 Kings, chapter 4. And this is a story of Elisha. And Elisha was a prophet of the day. And he was um, in a time when there was, great, there was great drought, there was great famine, and there was a lot of heartache during the time. And this is, this is a story of a, of a woman um, whose husband's passed away and she's in great debt. And here's the thing, she didn't ask for any of this. She didn't ask for her husband to pass away. She didn't ask for the, the drought to be there. She didn't ask for the, the famine to be existent. She didn't ask for the debt to be able to come her way. But this is her situation right now. She's in a place where there's great need. And the woman comes to Elisha says, hey, I need your help. Can you help me out? We pick up from verse 2. It says, what Elisha does, he gives her perspective. Because he asks the question, hey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? He gives her perspective by saying, hey, tell me what you have in your house. So don't tell me what you don't have. Tell me what you do have. And I love the lady's response. Nothing! I'm like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I feel like there's maybe like a, a bit of a stare off then between Elisha and the woman. He goes, nothing? You mean, you mean nothing at all? It's like he can see her pantry with a jar of oil in the background. He's like, nothing? Because he's 
you want to be able to teach her some that, hey, maybe there's a seed there. Maybe there's something here. Maybe the work we have right now. Then she says, oh, actually, except for a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, I want you to go and borrow as many jars as you can from friends and neighbours. What a weird request that would have been. Knock, knock, knock. Knock, can I have uh, some milk and some, some sugar? Can I just have some jars, please? Give me some, lots of jars. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. And for olive oil, notice that this, this is not Elisha doing this. This is the woman. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. What's she doing here? She's working her seed. So she, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. She filled one after another. What, what a miraculous moment that would have been for the woman. It's like, all I got this is this little jar of oil. It just keeps on pouring out. It keeps on pouring out. What I understand, the miracle is not in the excess. The miracle is not in the excess. What did, what did, what did John 3, um, Peter, and, Peter and John at the time, they, um, they, were, they were walking down, they see a lame man. And what do they say to the lame man? Silver and gold I have none, but what I do have is the name of Jesus and the man was set free. What I don't have is this, but what I do have, Jesus feeds the 5,000, probably close to 20,000 people there on the day. He goes to the disciples. Hey, what do we got? What's, what's for lunch? Where's the KFC at? What are we going to do here? They say, we've got nothing. Oh, except for this like little bit of fish and bread. Bring it over here. The miracle is not in the excess. And soon every container was full to the brim. What's happened here? The little becomes much. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And at that point, then the oil stops flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. You and your sons can live on what is left over. God is, God is calling us to steward what we have. God is a giver. He's calling us to steward Sometimes that means work and be intentional with the seed that God has given us. But the kingdom principle is that as we do these things, God will pour out His life into us. We, we talk about this series called Blessed. I want to declare we are a blessed people. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of this, of what He's given to us. He was the, he was the ultimate sacrifice for us. If I had nothing else in this world today, but I had the love of Christ in my life, I had everything. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.